Now, those of you who are tuning in for the first time today, let me let you in on what we're doing. We've been talking uh, since our last broadcast on the subject of homosexuality. Uh, we've tried to make it clear in that first broadcast that uh, there was hope for the homosexual. That if a homosexual were to realize the fact that the propaganda that is spread abroad saying that homosexuality is uh, a, according to one's genes or what some mother has done to a child in infancy and that he's stuck with for the rest of his life, if he were to realize that that were entirely false and were to realize instead that the Bible calls homosexuality an error, a wrong way of life, a sin, an abomination, uh, unrighteousness, and so on, then there would be hope. You see, hope comes not from doing what a lot of people think, namely uh, using euphemistic language about sin, or toning it down, or calling it sickness, or calling it abnormal, or calling it uh, some kind of genetic problem. People who talk that way may be kind when they think that they're trying to ease the burden and uh, relieve this sharp and uh, pointed word sin, relieve the person from having to face that word. But actually, the word sin, whenever it truly applies to a person and a situation, is the kindest word that a person can use. Whenever you call sickness or uh, sin sickness or call it genetic or something else, all you're doing in the final analysis, whether your intentions were good or bad, all you're doing is taking away hope. Hope. Everybody knows that if homosexuality is a, is a sin, that there's no pill that you can take to change it, uh, if it's a sickness, that is. Or if it's a genetic, uh, you can't go and change your genes. But if it's sin, which what is what the Bible calls it, clear and plain and unmistakably sin, then there is all the hope that there is in Christ Jesus for changing, because Christ came to die for sin. And of course, the first step for a homosexual to change is to recognize that his behavior is sin. And that he is a sinner to begin with. If he's not a Christian, he has to recognize he's a sinner and that he's offended a holy God by his life, not just by his homosexual activity, but by his whole life, like all the rest of us. And that nobody else is any better than he is, that all of us are sinners before God, just as he is. He happens to sin that way, others sin in other ways. In fact, homosexuality in the passage we looked at last time uh, is listed in uh, Romans with uh, all kinds of other sins, including slander and gossip and envy and uh, deceit and malice. It's not that we're calling homosexuality a worse sin than all the rest of these. It is simply a sin along with all the rest of them. And it's something we have to recognize. But like every other sin, like the sin of gossip and like the sin of slander, and like the sin of envy and like the sin of jealousy and like all of these other sins, uh, homosexuality, because it's a sin, can be forgiven. And that's the key point to keep in mind. It's terrible to sin against God, but a man, when he recognizes that he's a sinner, is in a place of hope, because then he can come to the foot of the cross and trust in Jesus Christ as the one who shed his blood on the cross in the place of guilty sinners. And that through faith in him, he can have that sin forgiven. He can be justified in the sight of God, made just as if he had never sinned, and he can be cleansed from that sin in the days to come. He can also find freedom from it. Now, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11, we noted last time that there were people who were homosexuals at Corinth, but that God said that some of them who had been involved in this homosexuality, just like those who had been involved in idolatry and fornication and adultery, which are also listed in that passage in verse 9, were forgiven and washed and sanctified. We know, therefore, that it is possible to put away homosexuality. How does a person go about putting away 
homosexuality? That's the question that we're faced with today. Well, the answer is, first of all, of course, to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. The power and the program that the Scripture lays out for dealing with such problems as this is only for those who have first come to God. It's surprising to know how many people expect things from God when they have no right to expect anything from God. You see, the point of this is, is, is this very simply. If I were to walk into your house, and uh, here you are, it's your house, and you've never seen me before, and I suddenly come up to the door, and uh, uh, the door is unlocked, and I open the door, and I walk in, and I uh, go into your refrigerator and uh, begin to take things out of the refrigerator and lay them out on the table, make myself a uh, uh, bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich, uh, and uh, using your uh, uh, microwave oven to uh, fry my bacon in a, uh, along with some Kleenexes and all the rest of this, or whatever you do, those, those towels and so on, tissues, and uh, then I make myself a good uh, bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich, and then I go over and I watch your TV for a little while, and then when I get tired, I take off my shoes and put my pajamas on, and I go to bed in one of your beds. Uh, uh, you might kind of not let me get that far, would you? you you'd rather, you'd think this is rather gross, rather uh, uh, crass for a person, a total stranger, to walk in and act as if he were at home. <clears throat> well, you see, God says that those who are in his family are those who are entitled to the privileges of that family. If I were a member of your family and I came in and I made a uh, bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich and I watched your television and I went to bed, you wouldn't think a thing about it because I was part of the family. <clears throat> but God has provided many things for his children, those who have become part of his family and those who are not part of the family who come to God and who expect to get something from God and who want something from God and who try to get something from God without first becoming part of the family are like somebody walking into a stranger's house and opening the refrigerator door and taking out the ba bacon, lettuce, and tomato. You just don't do that. You've got to become part of that family of God before you can have the privileges and the rights and the blessings and the benefits of that family. And the benefits of a changed life a life truly transformed, a life that can be different in the future, a life in which you can overcome sin and overcome this particular sin of homosexuality which we are discussing now is for those who have first come into the family of God. Let me make that abundantly clear today. And today let me conclude by emphasizing once again very strongly, you must be part of the family in order to exercise the rights and privileges of that family. How does a person become a part of God's family? Aren't we all born children of God? No. The Bible says, to those who received him, that is Jesus Christ, to those gave he the right or the privilege to become the part uh, of the family of God that we're talking about. You become a son of God when you trust or receive Jesus Christ. Not when you say that he was a great teacher, he was that. Not when you look on him as a great healer, he was that. Not when you look on him as the world's greatest man, he was that. But when you see him as the Savior, when you see him as the one who came in, into this world first and foremost for one purpose, to go to a cross and die bearing the guilt and the penalty and the wrath of God that you deserve for your sins that I deserve for mine. If you believe that he did that for you, if you trust him as the one who shed his blood as your substitute on that cross, bearing the guilt for all your sins, including the sin of homosexuality, the moment you put your trust in him that way, your sins will be forgiven. That second, that very instant, when you say to him, Lord, I am no longer going to try to solve this problem on my own. 
I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize I can't do anything about it in my own strength. I recognize that I've offended against you, a holy God, but I know that you sent your son to die for me. The minute you trust him that way, that's the moment your sins will be forgiven and not a moment before. And from that moment on, you will have the rights and privileges of claiming a new life, the life that God promised is to you in his word, which he guides you into by the scriptures and which he gives you the power to live by the Holy Spirit. Lord, bless some today who are involved in homosexuality and who want to get out of it. Help them to come, first of all, to know Jesus Christ as his Savior, their Savior, for his namesake. Amen.